0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Amen. Well, hello, church, and it's my pleasure to bring the final installment of the summer series we've been having, God's Big Picture. Over the last few weeks, we've heard some great things about different characters in the Bible and how God used them in his story. And the final person that we're going to be focusing on today is a man called Jonathan, who we find in the Old Testament. So I just want to say this. Jonathan is a really great name. And I'm sure you can understand why I say that. But as well as having a great name, he is also a really inspirational character in the Bible. He was someone that played a key role, I believe, in the kingdom of Israel in very difficult circumstances. We find his story in the book of 1 Samuel. And if you know the Old Testament, you'll also know that it will be impossible for me to cover everything today. So to set the scene a little bit, Previously, Israel's king had always been God himself. God was the divine king over them. And he often raised up leaders or representatives or prophets to help guide the nation into the purposes or plan that he had for them. But Israel demanded an earthly king to rule them so that they could be like the other nations around them. So God gave them a king called Saul, who then had a son named Jonathan, who was in effect the next in line to the throne, who is who we're going to focus on in a bit. However, as time went on, God rejected Saul and anointed a young man called David to be the future king. So if we fast forward a little bit now into David's life, I think it's really important that we capture something of the importance of why David was such a great king and why it's important to this story today. You see, the Bible clearly says that David was a significant man of God in the history of Israel. Even in the New Testament, David is mentioned as one of the patriarchs, meaning he is seen as one of the fathers of the faith. Not only was he a mighty warrior, but the book of Acts actually says that in David, God found a man after his own heart. And I think this is because he demonstrated some of the key things of a godly king, which was to know that having the presence of God and intimacy, God was so essential to be a worshiper, David was a worshiper of God, he loved God. If you read the Psalms, you see that, you read that. He was a king as well that led Israel more like a prophet and a representative. He understood the importance of God's presence. He brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem again because he understood the importance of God's presence being at the center of the kingdom. And I like this idea that I've heard, And that is that David was the person that fused together this idea that the monarchy could not operate without the sanctuary. That God needed to be at the center of all that he was on with. And how can we miss? God established an everlasting covenant with David. Through his descendants, through the line of David's descendants comes the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is now again the divine king over his people. However, let's backtrack a bit to where we were earlier. David's journey to the throne was not without challenges. And what we see is the prince of the royal household here, Jonathan, playing his part in this big picture. So before I read some more verses, for our CLM kids at home, I want you to do something for me. So what I'd like you to do is if you've got some paper or some card, I would like you to make a sword. And then when you've made that sword, I want you to then pretend that you are Jonathan and I want you to give it to someone in your household and call them David. So if you can do that for me, that'd be great. So let's read some verses from 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 4. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. And I think these verses really sum up Jonathan's heart here. And I have three points that I just wanna share with you. So the first thing I want you to see is this, Jonathan loved David. Saul, who was the king of Israel, was at war with the Philistines but then he starts to develop his own internal war of jealousy against David. But Jonathan, amazingly, it says, loved David, even though there were so many reasons why he should have justifiably hated him, he loved him. Let's remember that Jonathan was the next king, really. That's what we're told. He was the prince, and maybe his own sense of ambition could have easily made him feel like that he hated David. David coming in here as a warrior, as well-known, Jonathan deserved the throne by right. He too was a brave warrior and no one would have argued against that. In fact, back in in those days, it was so important for you to keep your throne. And if anyone was a threat to the throne, it would normally end with that person being executed. Just what Saul was doing to David really, but Jonathan was different. I think it's really important that we see this. Jonathan treated David as a brother and not a threat. Jonathan's response to David is such a powerful picture for us today, I believe. And I believe it shows us how God has called us to respond with love and not hostility. When he gave David those items, I believe it was his way of showing how valuable David was and how much he cared for him. But also, I believe he was also recognizing that this was someone special and he made a covenant with him demonstrating that commitment that he had towards him. And I feel that this speaks into the world that we live in today, which at times encourages us to look after ourselves and not other people at times, or to look away from what we need to give to other people. But God has called us to respond differently. It reminds us that loving people is being willing to go the extra mile, even if it costs us personally, and to examine whether our hearts have hostility Do we have those internal preferences? Do we have prejudices? Or do we see certain people as a threat to us? Do we respond with hostility instead of love because God has called us to love? You know, though, I remember once being in the workplace and this was before I was here at church. And whenever someone new was recruited, we would always say we wanna welcome them and we were always really nice to them. But the truth is we really, really wanted to know what was the game here? Was our position under threat? Was this person potentially going to be the next person to move up in the tree or in the structure, should I say? Like Saul, it says this of Saul, that he actually kept his eye on David because I believe that his eye was on competition rather than compassion. But Jonathan loved David. And I think it's a fresh challenge for us today to keep loving others, especially in the times we face. Now, you know, right now in so much uncertainty, people need to know that they're loved. People need to know that we're there for each other and that we're going to be, be committed to one another. And as the church, where we can't always meet in the way that we can, I think it's so important that we don't lose that connection to be active in loving one another and encouraging each other. I'm reminded as well of what it says in James 2 verse 8. It says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And who knows, maybe James had Jonathan's response in mind. The prince who said that he loved him as himself. Maybe those were the words that he had in mind when he wrote that. Moving on to my second point, Jonathan defended David. There came a moment where Saul had clearly come to a place of fearing David and wanted him dead. And in 1 Samuel 20 verses 31 to 33, Saul says this to Jonathan, He says, as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. And after that scene, what we read is that Jonathan sends a private signal to David to let him know that his father intends to kill him so that he can escape. Now, I'm sure that Jonathan found himself here in a very compromised position. When I look at this, this couldn't have been easy for him. He knew the importance of defending David, but in doing so, he was also going against his father's paranoia and expectations to succeed him as king. But what I love, church, is that Jonathan remained true to the covenant that he had made with David. He stayed with it. And there are a number of times we read where he risked his own life or his reputation to help David. He stood firm because he knew David was innocent. And I think it reminds us just simply today, this is a very quick but simple point, to be willing to speak out for what is right, to speak out against injustice. Are we willing to go against playing it safe or what other people expect of us and refuse to be silent. We may even need to disregard a sense of family loyalty or outside pressure from the world in order to stand up for what is right in God's eyes. But here I'm reminded that God used Jonathan to protect David because he wanted to use him as part of his big picture. And moving on to my last point, Jonathan was willing to serve David. And you know, as I come to wrap things up a little bit, I'm gonna read some final verses from 1 Samuel 23, verses 15 to 17. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Not only did Jonathan make a covenant with David, but he was willing to serve him as his second in command or his number two. Again, we go back to that initial encounter where Jonathan gave David his robe, his tunic, and his bow and his sword. And I cannot stress to you enough here how big a deal it was Jonathan to give his sword to David. If we go back a few chapters actually, we're told that when Israel was at war with the Philistines, the Philistines oppressed Israel so much that the only two people to have a sword in the land was Jonathan and Saul, the king and the prince. That would have been a precious sword, I'm sure of it. If it had went up in auction, I'm sure it would have got a good price, that's for sure. But Jonathan acknowledged that David was the anointed one and he openly renounced his right to the throne because I believe that he knew that it was God's plan for David to be king and to lead Israel into the new era. As we draw this series to an end, something that the life of Jonathan I think teaches us is that when it comes to God's big picture, God is looking for us to be willing to serve his purposes not based on other people's expectations or our own sense of pride. He's looking for servants in his kingdom. Jonathan's example challenges me today. And the question I think we have to ask ourselves is this, is whose kingdom are we trying to build? Whose kingdom are we trying to build? You see, God's kingdom is not a matter of power play, which motivated Saul, Jonathan's father, but it's a heart of service to Jesus. No matter what it may look like, it's about serving Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18 says, "'But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be.'" You know, all of us have a valuable role to play and all of us can be used by God in service to him. And our story in God's story might not mean, or it might mean that we're not in a place of leadership or overseeing thousands of believers or leading millions of people to Christ. It may be, in which case, I encourage you to keep going. But it may look different to what we've had planned in our own hearts. God may call us to serve another person's vision, to fulfill his plan. But we should never forget that he can use what we bring in all those situations. You know, church, I remember when I first joined church staff, I think around six years ago now, of the journey that I went on. Before joining here, I was working in the legal industry and I had built a great career uh, with the company that I was working with. They had clearly told me that they had plans for me. I'd just been promoted. And then I was asked to join the staff here at church and I was loving Jesus and and I was enjoying just continuing to be a follower of his and coming to my local church. It was brilliant. But I knew there was a sense of call in my life and no matter which way I looked at it I knew that whatever choice I made it had to be that I was going to be serving the purpose of God it could have been to stay where I was but it could have also been to go into ministry and to pursue that call but whilst it was difficult I mean people came to me with different expectations some people in my family even the culture I'm from there was that pressure of Maybe you should live like this. You know, do you know that your, your, your career is something that you've done, you should be proud of it. Why would you stop that, to go to church? People didn't understand. But the key thing, church, was that I knew I was where I was meant to be. I knew that I had to go where God wanted me to, and he wanted me to come on staff here. And through that, I believe he's using me and using me for his big picture. I don't know what would have happened if I'd have stayed where I was, but I do know that he used me where I was, even though I was giving up a job with its position and prestige and everything. I knew God wanted to use me here as part of his plan. You see, Jonathan handed his royal privilege to David, but what if Jonathan chose to act differently? We can't say for sure what would have happened, but David, who points to Christ, he points to Jesus in so many ways, may not have had the influence that he is known for today. But thankfully, Jonathan did do it. Thankfully, Jonathan did do what was in his heart. And I cannot help but seeing Jonathan's Christ-like qualities as well here. He shows love, that covenantal love, which Jesus also has for us. He shows amazing humility. We have Jesus, our Lord, who is all-powerful, and he is our divine King, But he came with humility. He died a death so that we could die. He laid down his life for us, even though it cost him so much. He was willing to do it. And ultimately, he came to serve and fulfill or to be a key part now of that fulfillment of God's big picture. So I want to pray for us simply today that we would be willing to be used by God to serve the big picture that he has in mind. No matter what it may look like, to look at the example of Jonathan, to be humble in service, to love others, to set aside our own sense of ambition or pride and to be committed to building God's kingdom as our story is used as part of his story. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you, God, that you use people like us, that we have been created in you and you've made works or created places and situations that you have ordained us to be in to do your kingdom work. And I want to thank you today of the example of Jonathan, which reminds us that, Lord, serving you may not always look like how we thought it would, but it still is valuable. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be those humble servants. Thank you, Lord, that when we come and we bring what we can bring, Lord, you can weave it in and make it work as part of your purpose and your great plan. Thank you, Lord, that we can say, My story is part of your story, and that you use us in different situations. I want to thank you, Lord, for the example of Jonathan today. And I pray, Lord, as we are used by you, would we remember to love people, to keep loving, to keep being those, Lord, that radiate the love of Christ to others? Lord, would we continue as well to, to do what is right in your eyes as part of your plan, to stand up and to speak out where needed for the things of God? And Lord, I pray. Give us servant-soaked hearts that we would be willing to serve you wherever, whenever, no matter what that may be. To know, Lord, that no matter what position or role we play, God, you use it to bring glory to your name and therefore, Lord, we can be content with that. So, Lord, I pray for every single person today, help us, Lord, seal this series in our heart, Lord, and help us to be your ambassadors in Jesus' name. Amen.